welcome everyone here to this week's Citizens Climate Lobby training program. It's a weekly webinar program of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Cease, and tonight we're going to be jumping into our foundational training on lobbying and a reminder of the transformative power of constituent advocacy. This webinar is the first in a series we offer in our Working with Congress training series designed to help empower all of us as constituents who are planning to meet with our members of Congress with the basic knowledge and confidence that we'll need to understand Congress and what it's like to lobby as a constituent. So tonight we're gonna to have the chance to hear from a diversity of speakers, all of them CCLers, about their aha moment when the transformative power of being a constituent and having that power as an advocate clicked for them. So what we are really focused on tonight is a threefold area for learning goals. We wanna make sure to remind and ground each of us that lobbying as constituents truly does matter and that we have important advantages we're gonna review and we can use them strategically in our meetings. We also wanna make sure to highlight that there's particular approaches that we found that can help us be most effective. And we wanna be empowered in realizing that each of us has a story to tell and to share that with others in our communities to really empower those in our lives and those that we might meet to engage in the political process. And what we're gonna do in order to kind of make it through that tonight is follow the following agenda. We are going to actually sample a few different pieces uh, or sections from an, a recent episode of Citizens Climate Radio, one of my favorite podcasts that's produced internally here by our wonderful host, Peterson Toscano. He interviews both staff and volunteers. We're also going to hear from the founder of CCAL, Marshall Saunders, and his foundational view of really why the organization exists. And we're also going to hear and see a wonderful example from our Illinois chapters uh, that have put together a great energizing preview into the power of lobbying being back on the Hill. And throughout that, we're going to really remind us again of the difference we all make, share the opportunities we have, and engage in that constituent advantage conversation. So with that, let's start by just grounding ourselves in a little background behind the story of Citizens Climate Lobby. So Marshall Saunders, a retired business developer from originally Waco, Texas, and spent the better part of his career and retirement in Southern California, had this vision of starting a nonprofit to make the case for what it means to be an engaged and active citizen in the realm of climate change, to meet directly with Congress ourselves as constituents and help address their behavior. And he said, we live in a country where citizen engagement is valued and encouraged. Let's celebrate that. Let's do more of that. And the word lobbying may carry some, uh, for some, negative connotations stemming from the practice of paid or professional lobbying. However, for us as constituents, it's not only our right, but our duty to be engaged and to express our voice, right? That's our civic duty. So we always like to remind ourselves that politicians don't create political will. They respond to it. And in order for that to happen, Marshall's foundational vision was that ordinary people like you and I have to organize, educate ourselves, and give up the sense of learned hopelessness or powerlessness 
to gain those skills to be effective with our government and influence them to help us make the changes we need. And as a little reminder, uh, again, this is a preview of another wonderful Citizens Climate Lobby episode of what Marshall really was about and even his whole tone and tenor in that journey for him to create Citizens Climate Lobby that we're all carrying on the legacy on today. Let's just preview this by one minute little window into Marshall himself sharing his reflections. And it is trusting that ordinary people can get the job done. It's a, it's a trusting in ordinary people. You know, not people who have made it, not people who are powerful, but ordinary people. You know, and if people are not demonstrating that, well, they can't. They can't. They need a little encouragement, a little breakthrough, like I had. So, you know, it's one step at a time. And if you're interested in uh, hearing more about that episode, and at this point, also a reminder of the wonderful power behind Citizens Climate Radio, I've just put in the chat a link where you can find all those episodes. We'll sample a few more here later on. Uh, but <laughs> just even hearing Marshall's grounding of that ordinary people like you and I can make a difference and we have shaped policy and we will continue with showing up on the Hill um, continues to center me in my work. And I know uh, it's a great reminder for the power that all of us have. Another wonderful source uh, as background behind CCL that uh, really was foundational to the organization and uh, the vision guiding us is of results, one of the other most powerful nonprofits that many people have never heard of on the Hill that really did transformational things to shift Congress's behavior in getting more relief and aid funding especially for hunger and development and health needs in the developing world. Um, but throughout today is the um, gentleman featured here on the left, Sam Daly Harris, who literally wrote the book on how to be a citizen advocate uh, with Reclaiming Our Democracy. If anyone's interested, you can search for that and find it at your favorite bookstore. There's a whole chapter on Citizens Climate Lobby along with many other wonderful um, efforts and nonprofits that Sam has supported throughout the years. And the reason why I want to share this tonight as a reminder is that we live in a time where we fundamentally feel like democracy is broken, or at least the, the, the tone and the media narrative often reminds us of the dysfunction, of the polarization. And I think what's important for us to remember as individuals, especially engaged in this grand enterprise collectively with Citizens Climate Lobby, is that we can reclaim the soul of citizenship and of our constituency advantage. And one of the aspects that this book does such a wonderful job of making the case to doing is that there's actually a spiritual approach to politics as well, a politics of love, a politics grounded in meeting anyone, no matter who they might be, with respect, appreciation, and gratitude, that core value that all of us have as Citizens Climate Lobby advocates. And for us, 
I think that the, the biggest thing also to continue to remind ourselves that both Marshall and Sam do such a good job of highlighting is that there is such an opportunity for us to make a profound difference on issues that we care about. But what holds so many of us back is I'm guessing it has for you in the past and others that you know in your life, as it has for me, is this learned sense of powerlessness. And to a great extent, one of the things that Sam has done a wonderful job in trying to highlight are the, the polling and the data behind what he terms the politics of resignation. One of the statistics is from the, the well-known Harvard professor, Larry Lessig, who, said, um, who, who did a poll and said that they found that 96% of Americans believe that it's important to reduce the influence of money in politics. And in that same poll, the follow-up question was, do you think it's possible to actually make those reforms? And in spite of 96% of people believing that it was important, 91% of those same respondents said, no, it was not possible. But how do we thaw that resignation? Because once we do, that's really where this chance of winning begins. And for us, in Citizens Climate Lobby at least, our response to that and that strategy that we embody is grounded in the central mission to realizing that together we can build a movement to generate the political will for a livable world, right? The politicians don't create political will, they respond to it. And it's our role as citizens and engaged constituents to create so much of it that they have no choice but to engage and respond to this process. And for us, not only that mission with the political will for a livable world is important, but it's right there in our DNA to say the second part of that mission is we're going to achieve that through enabling individuals to experience personal and political breakthroughs and exercising their political power. And right at the very nexus, the nerve center of that mission is all of our opportunity whether we're going to be together in DC, meeting with our members of Congress, whether you've been a part or will be a part of meeting online or in district with your member of Congress's office, but to have those breakthroughs and to realize again and witness firsthand that your voice does make a difference. And so to get us really energized, what I'd like to do is uh, go next to a video that really interview a bunch of our CCL Illinois Star volunteers to highlight in their words why that experience of in-person lobbying has been so transformational for them. So with that, I will pass it to Hannah and the rest of the crew here. If you had told me one year ago that I would be in DC meeting with multiple congressmen and attending this national convention, I would have simply never believed you. I mean, I'm so grateful that I was able to lobby with my representative in Congress multiple times now. Strength in numbers, right? As long as we have a group of people who are together focused, you know, visiting Washington, visiting the senators or, the, you know, all the congressmen, putting across our point, that's where I think the value is. And that is also very exciting to be part of that and understand that that's how they learn. That's how politicians learn what's important to us. You, you would think that the politicians would lead, but that's not the way politicians work. Politicians don't lead the wave, they ride the wave. So it's our job to create the waves for them to ride on. And I think that 
it's like that balance between the individual's impact and the group's impact. Like the bigger the group is, the louder our voices are, and the more calls, the more emails, the more lobby meetings, the more people that show up to the lobby meetings, it makes our voice stronger. And so each individual that makes the group bigger and adds in their voice is important. All right, so let's go to this next part of our focus tonight. And that really is trying to, you know, talk about individuals like we've just heard from Illinois who have experienced the sense of empowerment of political breakthrough and really be able to share what does it mean for each and every one of us to lobby and why should we do it as constituents and citizens? So there's a simple reason obviously why we have the stereotype associated with lobbying that many of us feel like it's a scarlet letter, an L emblazed on our um, chest. We'd be afraid to say, oh, I'm a lobbyist. I'm a citizen lobbyist. Oh, um, and why companies also pay so much for lobbyists. And we're gonna hear from uh, Ben Pendergrass, a, one of our uh, CCL staffers in DC about his background prior to working with CCL as a registered lobbyist as well. And, and that reason, is that it's effective, right? It works. It, the reason why people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for these services and for this actual work is because it's effective and it translates into actual policy results. And so for us though, you know, as constituents and citizen lobbyists, we have distinct advantages. And that's really what we're going to make the case for here, right? So one of the rules to just keep in mind of anyone in Congress is that nobody is an expert in everything, right? They're all generalists, especially in the Senate, um, where you are literally representing it sometimes, you know, over 30 million individuals. And so as elected officials, they rely on other people to inform them. And if we're not showing up and engaging and having meetings with our members of Congress, then the important question to ask is who is? And if we don't show up, our voice isn't added to that tally, right? And so in the absence of constituents, Congress is informed by lobbyists, by industry, and by their own party ideology. And so what I would like to encourage everyone to do tonight and moving forward is just to really reframe when you hear the word lobbyist, to think about it with pride and think about it as something that you are doing to make the case for what you believe Congress should do, right? That's at the, at the root level, what lobbying is. And a couple of things to think about, um, especially as we're thinking through constituent advantages, is that the dominant role that constituents can play to influence policy comes with this distinction we're making on this slide here, right? There's constituents that have an opinion, and those are the individuals, obviously we, we are all constituents with opinions, but the research continues to show with our you know, long-term relationship and um, love of the work that the Congressional Management Foundation does. Um, Debbie can put a link to that in the chat if you'd like, um, as well as all of the other political science literature out there around the effectiveness of how actual engaged uh, citizens can um, you know, influence Congress is adding not only an opinion, but a specific interest and a personal story to help highlight that interest. And so let me kind of summarize what I mean by this when I say this. Say you're attending a town hall meeting and somebody next to you stands up and thinks, 
uh, and says, I think we should reduce greenhouse gas emissions. That's a constituent with an opinion. And the Congresswoman that's attending that meeting is likely to follow that in one part of her brain, right? But say the next person in line steps up to the mic and says, I think we should reduce our greenhouse gas emissions because my three-year-old daughter has respiratory problems and I'm worried about the health impacts on her developing lungs. Simple brain science suggests that that Congresswoman is likely to store that story in a completely different compartment. That person, just by extending the opinion with an interest in story, has made a much stronger bond with the legislator. And that Congresswoman now has a much greater obligation to integrate her concerns into her decision-making and can also justify in her own communications with other lawmakers, the media, however and wherever that might show up, the rationale behind why she is choosing that. So the lesson here is that constituents with a genuine interest in a story are much more likely to have an influence than those that are just voicing their opinion. And especially as we're getting ready for Washington and meeting face-to-face -face with staff and members of Congress, starting to think about how you, in your introductions and in your explanation for why you are supporting our primary asks or whatever additional asks you're bringing to your member, can connect again that to an interest in personal story is the is the invitation I have tonight. And the other slide I'd like to highlight here before going specifically to uh, another little segment of Citizens Climate Radio is comparing the advantages that paid lobbyists have with the constituent advantages that we have as citizen lobbyists, okay? And so let's think through each of these, right? So paid lobbyists are obviously hired to have an opinion and are always in DC and not back home in the district where the member of Congress represents, right? All of those have their strengths, but also their disadvantages. So let's play to our advantages and think about as constituents, we're real people, believe it or not. <laughs> and we have authentic passion and interests. We are all here as volunteers because we care deeply about Congress stepping up to take further ambitious action on climate change. We have personal stories, about why that matters to each of us and the people that we love and the places that we care about. We're not in DC often, and maybe that's a disadvantage because we might feel a little uncomfortable or unfamiliar, but the shadow side, the advantage of that is that we are back home living in the district, voting for who represents us and having our finger on the pulse of the communities we live in and the issues that we care about, being able to speak on behalf of others that aren't gonna be in that meeting with us. So the take home message that we're offering here is that something very different uh, than what's been traditionally done before. And that is, we don't have every advantage, but we have a passionate interest in the topic. We live and vote in the lawmakers district and we should play to those advantages as we prepare and lean into our meetings. And so what I'd like to do now is just acknowledge amidst all of this, that if you are like me as an initial volunteer with CCL, you probably feel a little uncomfortable, especially if you've never done this before. And what I'd like to invite all of you to think about with this illustration that just uh, was highlighted on the slide is that only by growing that outer edge of our comfort zone can we expand what we're familiar with and become again more and more comfortable with more advocacy. And a phrase that we love saying within our liaison program and beyond is that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. 
So if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, know that the change taking place is a beginning and you are about to have an experience of where that magic happens as shown here by this slide. And that's attributed to Neil Walsh. So thank you for that wonderful quote, Neil. So what I'd like to do now is just uh, go to uh, the actual um, um, uh, specific podcast for uh, Citizens Climate Radio. This one is episode 82. It's Are Lobbyists Good or Bad? We first hear from Anna. Well, since I am a lobbyist, I would have to say no. Um, I think there are a lot of really bad connotations surrounding lobbying. I definitely felt it when I first joined CCL, when I when I was like looking at the CCL website and it was like, oh, we lobby. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this, but I'm really glad I did. I don't think lobbying is inherently evil. I think when you get a lot of money involved with it, it gets a little bit corrupt at times. What I love about CCL is how CCL is nonprofit. All of the lobbyists are volunteers and we're really just doing this because we care about it and we're not really like gaining financially out of it in any way. So no, I don't think lobbying is evil. Going to these congressional offices is no joke. Back in 2013, when I started volunteer lobbying, I was terrified the first few times I did it. The good news is that we can learn how to become confident in these situations. Before I joined CCL, I was very afraid of any type of public speaking. So those first couple lobby meetings, I was like terrified and I was like shaking and it was like, it, and it was good that it was on Zoom because being in person, I think would have been like so much, but it was really nice to see that like, I would be like super nervous beforehand, but then afterwards I'd feel like really good about it. And it was just nice to have all these constant opportunities to build more confidence, not only lobby meetings, but through like presentations to businesses and organizations in Washington um, about the same legislation. And then also we did this Washington state legislator project that was just tons of lobby meetings, really just having that constant exposure and then constantly talking about the same thing too, I think also helped. And then also having the wonderful team too, to present with. And it really made me feel better about public speaking. That was such a good message about confidence building. That's just a little sample. If you're interested in the full episode, I will put a link again to it in the chat. I know I shared it at the very beginning, but especially for those that are just here, can't say enough about the, the power of a lot of these uh, Citizens Climate Radio episodes. Um, so let's go to our final topic here before opening it up for questions. And that is moving into this discussion of the importance of building relationships with the members of Congress and their staff. and Many of us, again, are new to this with Congress, but we're not new to this with other friends, family, and connections we have. And in so many ways, obviously, the same thing applies and approaches uh, that we follow in other parts of our life can still apply in the same way to Congress. And so what I'd love to do is, again, um, just draw on Dale Carnegie's training about the best way to win friends and influence people. And Carnegie taught that best way is to understand somebody else's problems, to listen and engage with them to the point where you can see their own point of view and understand their concerns and where they're coming from and ground your own priorities then from that lens. And this advice still rings true today. As advocates, it's important for us to understand how to influence our members of Congress. And as an advocate, again, you'll be much more powerful by starting a conversation by asking about a congresswoman's kid 
who just went to Congress or to, to college or mentioned that you saw him in a picture in the newspaper recently at a ribbon, ribbon cutting or congratulating them on a recent legislative accomplishment like we have as a reminder in our meeting plans, uh, that outline. And part of the reason, again, that lobbyists are so successful at their job is because they know the issues, they become trusted advisors or policy experts, and we can do that as well. Looking around the room, each and every one of us is just as capable at studying and understanding issues on climate that we care about, that CCL helps provide trainings on, and then you can provide that specific information regarding on how these policies will show up, have impacts in their state or district, and be able to provide that exclusive information. And so again, uh, every congressional office knows that these in-district advocates who stay on top of issues, who don't understand to offer help or to don't hesitate to understand um, and offer help and advice on how and where we'd like them to vote, keeping in, in regular touch with them, all of these are providing valuable services to our legislators and staff and helps them to be accountable to voters. And so with that, I think that's just really key as a quick review of what we say when we want to really build those relationships, what that looks like. Again, a reminder that in the CCL way, we always operate with respect, appreciation, and gratitude. That's not just a, a slogan. That's a cornerstone of who we are and how you build successful relationships. And I will close by asking this question and then turning to our um, senior our vice president of government affairs, Ben Pendergrass, what do you think is the most valuable tool for a lobbyist? Based on kind of what you've heard tonight, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on what you think really are at least one or you know several of the key takeaways for the toolkit that you want to develop as a constituent lobbyist. Debbie shares trust relationship with Congress and our congressional members. Greg shares a respectful relationship with Congress and our uh, members of Congress. Susan says being a trusted advisor, absolutely. Having that story, being able to not just share an opinion, but an interest with that specific lived experience, you might also be able to say. Uh, another piece that the Congressional Management Foundation always loves highlighting is being able to have specific knowledge about how your real life concerns are positively impacted by the policy solutions you're advocating for. So how can you, another way of saying that obviously is just how can you make the case that the solution that you're there to talk to the member of Congress about will positively impact your life as a constituent back home in district. And uh, as we're doing that, I'm gonna jump in again to sharing a story here from Ben about his own background and journey. All right, so here is Ben. What clout do you have to, to connect with these lawmakers and to persuade them to consider the policies you're proposing? You really gotta think of lobbyists as being more like lawyers, you know, a professional class that understands the way the legislative process works and uh, uses that knowledge to help various causes or clients. Every cause you could think of has pretty much some sort of lobbyist in their employ for reducing poverty, obviously on climate change, any cause you can think of, there's somebody working this. And the same thing goes for any industry also has to be represented by somebody in DC because the laws we pass affect businesses and people and having people in DC in a government affairs role is one of the best ways to make sure that Congress understands 
the laws they make, what kind of impact they're having on that particular constituency or industry. So it's very important for everybody to have that representation. Going to your particular question on clout without money. Well, I mean, our clout really comes from our volunteers. It comes from the grassroots power of concerned citizens that are engaging with their members of Congress every day in a respectful and educated fashion. People don't want to talk to me just because my charming personality. They want to interact with us and listen to us because we have an army of volunteers that really are concerned about getting something done on climate standing beside us. And so it doesn't really necessitate money to make a difference. Ben does a wonderful job, again, of reminding that the power of any large, even relationship that our DC team might have with members of Congress is only stood up and effective because of the work that each and every one of you and our entire network do in building those authentic relationships with your own individual members of Congress. But the, the last slide again here is just a review. So again, our goals tonight were to remind each of us that lobbying as constituents matters and that we have important advantages and that in these approaches, we have particular ways that we can be most effective and use those tools in our toolkit. And lastly, we wanna be empowered to hear other people's stories of their experience as first time lobbyists and realize that that's gonna be us too, or maybe it already is. And that we can share our story and help empower others engage in the political process and create that wave within each of our communities across all 400 chapters in the US and beyond. Right? We always like reminding people that at the end of every training on community, you can click that little green button, or if it's an interactive training, it shows up under the drop-down menu, or you can even go to the action tracker under volunteer and chapter development to type that in. And that just helps us uh, across the board measure our impact and the actions we're taking. So with that, um, I am gonna stay on. We so hope that you found tonight's training empowering and a core reminder of who you are and the voice you have to use and effectively shape climate policy. And I'll just close by saying, if you think you are too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. Thank you, Dalai Lama. And let's make that collective difference we're possible of making. Have a wonderful night, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.